Reconstructionist Radio presents A War Room Production Acts to the Root by Bojidar Marinov Where you get a Christian Reconstructionist perspective on the pressing issues of today Alright folks, this is Acts to the Root Podcast part of the War Room for Christian Reconstruction This is the issue one of our podcast uh, I'm Bojidar Marinov and I'll be with you for the next 30 minutes, and we're going to be talking about an issue that we started last time in our introductory podcast, and that was, what is covenantal thinking? Uh, what does that mean? I, it's, it's, we said that it was going to be the, the uniting theme of all of our topics, all of our issues. The question is, what is a covenantal thinking? I want to start first with uh, uh, what is, uh, the question of what is a spiritual man? What is spirituality? About 20 years ago, I was a lecture organized by an American Reformed missionary in Eastern Europe where he talked about being a spiritual man. Now, listening to the lecture, I remember back then, it was a typical pious gush of which uh, R.J. Rushton speaks in his description of modern church speak. Uh, the missionary basically boiled everything down to spirituality, down to feelings, simple moralisms. Now, some of his points, I remember, were outright bizarre. And he made spirituality look like some sort of modern asceticism. He even had some ideas that border occultism, I would say. Uh, I had a feeling his listeners didn't really buy into it. Uh, these were Eastern European believers, uh, all Protestant believers in a traditionally Eastern Orthodox country. They had all seen those ideas at work in Eastern or- in the Eastern Orthodox Church, in especially in Eastern Orthodox monasticism. At the end, one of his listeners asked what... Uh, that reformed missionary if he could point to Bible verses that speak of true spirituality. And the missionary, strangely enough, gave some verses, but when I checked those verses later, none of them actually gave any description of a spiritual man or spirituality. Now, I must say regretfully, his interpretation of those verses uh, was rather divorced from the specific meaning of the text. I don't want to go back on what he said, and we, we want to focus here on what biblical spirituality is, what the Bible says about uh, what a spiritual man is, what description the Bible gives uh, uh, to uh, for a spiritual man. Now, let me just say this. On the side, as a side issue, as a missionary, uh, over the years I have learned to distrust Reformed missionaries who came out of American seminaries, especially out of American Reformed seminaries. Now, yeah, there are some good things that are taught in these seminaries, but most of these seminaries have the same pietistic and moralistic approach to many issues as any broadly evangelical church out there, or or, uh, any broadly evangelical seminary. I remember once I sent a Bulgarian Pentecostal pastor to uh, a conference organized by a Presbyterian missionary, uh, led by a Presbyterian mission, Mission to the World, and uh, and he thought that you know they would be they would be speaking the same things, comprehensive and uh, and applicable to all areas of life and covenantal as I do, and he was rather disappointed. His reaction after the conference was he came back home. And he called me and he said, why did you send me to that conference? Presbyterians are just like Pentecostals. They just don't speak in tongues. Um, yeah, that's, uh, unfortunately, that's how pietistic and that's how bad it was. Anyway, this is another problem for another time. But the truth is that missionary was wrong. That missionary was wrong because there is a specific 
biblical passage that describes true spirituality in a true spiritual man. The problem is that biblical passage uh, didn't correspond to what that missionary taught his people and it didn't fit the pietistic, moralistic, sensationalist, almost occult narrative of the modern seminaries and I must say the modern reform seminaries as well. That biblical passage is 1 Corinthians 2, 14 through 15. Listen to this. It says specifically what a spiritual man is. The verses say this, Paul says it, But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually, and here's a word that I want you to focus on, they are spiritually judged. That's the word in Greek. And then he continues, But he who is a spiritual man, he who is a spiritual man, judges all things. Yet he himself is judged by no one. And then Paul goes to a verse in the Old Testament, a uh, very important verse. He says, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Now here's an amazing statement, folks. Largely ignored by our modern teachers and preachers who pretend to be teaching us true spirituality. Now they are always focusing on some, on some obscure issues, on some occult issues, on, on uh, all kinds of uh, things focused on uh, emotions and so on. But the Bible speaks in, one, in the one place where it speaks about the spiritual man. It says, he who is spiritual judges all things. The spiritual, the spiritual man, the true spiritual biblical man, judges all things. He himself is not judged by anyone. And this is the only verse in the Bible that has a description of what a true spiritual man is. He judges. He has the mind of Christ. And therefore he judges. Because what? Because Christ judges. Spirituality then is not related to emotions and it's not related to some escape into some uh, alternative a reality and so on spirituality is very simple and very clear in the bible it is related to judgment it is related to discerning between good and evil and all things now keep this in mind it doesn't stop there at the beginning of the very next chapter first corinthians 3 1 paul tells the corinthians and i brethren could not speak to you as to spiritual man but as to men of flesh, as to babies in Christ. You're still babies. You're still infants, says Paul. You're immature. You're not spiritual. You're immature. The meaning is a spiritual man is a mature, grown-up man. What is it to be a grown-up man? What is it to attain that maturity of faith so that you're not babies in Christ? Well, there's another verse in the Bible that speaks about that maturity. Uh, being mature in Christ, the author of Hebrews tells us in, chapters, in, in chapter 5, verses 11 through 14, listen to this, Concerning him we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. 
All right. So what we see here is, again, that issue of maturity versus childishness. And he says, for everyone who partakes only of milk, and he's speaking about teachings here, is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is a, an infant, a baby. But solid food is for the mature, who by practice have, have their senses trained to listen to the word, to judge both good and evil. Here's this word judge again. A spiritual man is one who judges all things. Being spiritual is the opposite to being immature and childish. And being mature, as it is to be expected, is to judge both good and evil in all things. This a spiritual man is the same as a mature man, and both terms describe a man who can judge both good and evil in all things. It is righteous judgment that defines a spiritual mature man. He is a man who knows the difference between good and evil, and he's trained his senses to spot both good and evil in everything that comes this, his way. This is an important point, folks, when we talk about the biblical spirituality and when we talk about the covenant. At the foundation of all this, all this biblical spirituality is exactly this point about judgment. How do you spot between good and evil? It's not about being able to go into some trance and do long prayers and so on. It is to look at the world and say, this is good and this is evil. A spiritual man we know is a man under God's covenant. Why? No one can have the Holy Spirit unless he's a member of God's covenant. Because it was Jesus' sacrifice on the cross of the new covenant that secured the Holy Spirit for us. Even before that, man has always been a covenantal being. Uh, spiritual men in the Old Testament era were men of God's covenant. I mean, you can't be, you can't have the Holy Spirit unless you're of God's covenant. A couple of years ago, I wrote a few articles for a symposium on the nature of the millennium where I pointed out that from his very creation, man is a covenantal being and this has to be at the foundation of our, uh, of our thinking of both man and the kingdom of God. Man is a covenantal being. He was created through a covenant. He was created in a covenant. He was under a covenant. And he was conditioned from beginning to end by a covenant. Now, one of the participants in the discussion, a pastor, and I think he was also a professor at the seminary, objected that since the word covenant didn't appear in the first seven or eight chapters of the Bible, therefore there was no covenant in the creation. I mean, this is a pastor, preacher, professor, and I had to show him he was wrong. For the Bible clearly speaks of the creation as a covenant. Jeremiah 33, verses 20 through 25 say, This is what the Lord says, If I have not made my covenant with day and night and established the laws of heaven and earth. So there's a covenant in the very creation of the world. Well, was Adam under a covenant? Hosea 6, 7 speaks of Judah and Ephraim and says of them, like Adam, they have transgressed my covenant. So we see man is from beginning a spiritual man. Uh, first of all, man is always under a covenant. Man is inescapably covenantal. There is no escape from the issue of the covenant. There is no way that man can, can flee from under a covenant. He, if he flees from God's covenant, he goes under somebody else's covenant. 
he goes under the covenant of Satan. It is it is a fake covenant. It is a counterfeit covenant. But man is still under a covenant. Man is always under somebody's covenant. And man, as he was created, was created to be under God's covenant. Okay, from the very beginning, it was a covenant that God made with Adam in, in the in the garden. It was a covenant that He made with him after Adam fell. That was the covenant of grace from the very beginning. From to the very end of history and to eternity, man is going to be under a covenant. So man is a covenantal creature, but the spiritual man is under the, the covenant of God. He, he is under the covenant of God in the beginning, and he is under a covenant, the covenant of God today. Man is inescapably covenantal. It is his very nature, and the spiritual man is a man of God's covenant of dominion, laid at the very foundation and the very creation and covenant of grace and redemption. And the spiritual man judges all things based on the standards of that covenant. Covenantal thinking, therefore, is spiritual thinking. And because spiritual thinking has to do, as we saw, has to do with judging both good and evil, covenant thinking is always ethical, judicial thinking. Keep these words in mind. Always we talk about it. It's ethical judicial thinking. Now, what does that mean? A lot of people ask me, what is ethical judicial? How do you define these words? Why why are these words so important to you? Uh, why do we need to talk about covenant thinking as ethical judicial thinking? Because it is thinking entirely concerned with issues of good versus evil. Justice versus injustice. Obedience to God versus rebellion against God. Worship of God versus worship of idols. The covenantal man judges all things based on sovereign ethical standards for good and evil. Now look at this. God created the world and his first assessment of everything he created was this is good. He didn't say this is beautiful. He didn't say this is pragmatic. This is expedient. He didn't say uh, any... He didn't give any other... Uh, a, a system of assessment of, of the world. He said, this is good. And then he created man, and his final judgment of what he created was, this is very good. Okay. So, and, and from the very beginning, the, the, the thing about man was, the, 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 uh, what man was given is, is an ethical statement. Okay, you an ethical task. Do not eat from this tree. Eat from every from all the other trees in the garden, and then you have a world to conquer. And that was an issue of obedience. Again, good versus evil, justice versus injustice, obedience to God versus rebellion to God, worship of God versus worship of idols. All other considerations, beauty. Pragmatism, expedience, human legislation, loyalty to a group, loyalty to a collective, heritage, historical habits, inertia, all these issues are secondary to the covenantal man. The covenantal man doesn't worry about these other issues, or if he worries about them, and they are important in particular situations, but in all these situations, these issues, beauty, pragmatism, expedience, and so on, uh, uh, they're only auxiliary to the main issue. And the main issue is good versus evil. And in other situations, we may need to reject 
uh, uh, in some situations, we actually may need to reject beauty. We need to reject pragmatism. We need to reject expediency. We need to reject human legislation. You, you, we need to reject loyalty to the group or to the collective heritage and so on. Why? Because the ethical, judicial principles of the covenant of God, the issue of good and evil, demand it. We know Satan can appear as an angel of light and a beauty, 2 Corinthians 11.14. We know that Jesus had no beauty that we should desire, as Isaiah says in uh, chapter 53, verse 2. But at the very end, when we stand before that white throne and God is looking at us and looking at, at, at the whole world and judging the whole world, people are going to be judged on the principles of good and evil, not on the principles of beautiful or ugly or pragmatic or uh, non-pragmatic or expedient or, or, or uh, inefficient and so on. All these other issues are, are going to be forgotten before that throne. The only issue that is going to matter is good versus evil. Covenant thinking, therefore, being ethical, judicial, leaves aside all these other considerations and always subjects them and scrutinizes them as well as everything else with the following questions. And these are ethical, judicial questions. First, what God does this serve? Does it serve God as God or does it serve man and his man-made gods? Okay, this is an ethical, judicial issue. Does this policy, for example, or scientific theory or business practice, etc., follow from a worldview based on the biblical narrative of a sovereign God creator or from a worldview based on a belief in an autonomous man or autonomous nature or dualistic reality manipulated by a multitude of spiritual beings or an impersonal monistic universe? Which God does it serve? Second, what view of man is there behind it? Is it man as a creature? Under God and his covenant is God's steward over God's creation? Is it his institutions limited within their lawful judicial spheres by the boundaries of the law of God? Is, uh, uh, is, is, um, uh, or is man and his institutions, uh, are men and his institutions mindful of their limitations and of the man's fallen condition and therefore striving to comply with the demands of Christ's redemptive work? Or is it man as a prideful, autonomous being with his institutions claiming divine status and tyrannical power over man? Third, what ethical standards are involved? Is it the law of God, which is the character of God applied to every area of life and action? Or is it man's laws, which are always a mockery of God's law? Man's autonomous attempt to define good and evil apart from God, that original sin in the garden. Fourth, who gets rewarded and who gets punished by this policy or this business practice and so on? What ethical actions are allowed to prosper and grow? What are discouraged and stopped? What group of people is, is rewarded? What group of people is punished? Are, are covenant uh, uh, breakers uh, re uh, rewarded and covenant keepers punished? Or is it the other way around? This is another question that covenantal thinking asks. And fifth, what do we expect God to do in history? Who does the future belong to in history? Does it belong to the covenant breakers? Does it belong to the people of God? As Corinthians uh, 3, uh, 21 to 22 says, all belongs to you, Christians, the world, the present, the future. Or, does it, or, or, or uh, do we believe that we're going to lose history to Satan? 
These are, again, ethical judicial issues. These are issues that are important and, and issues that have to do with good and evil, justice and injustice, uh, righteousness and wickedness. Now, these are the questions the spiritual man, the mature man, the covenant thinker asks. And conversely, you can tell that idols are things and spirits and ideologies which work to sway our minds away from these ethical judicial questions, to make us obsessed with questions that have nothing to do with good and evil, righteousness versus wickedness, justice versus injustice. Things and spirits that try to boil down, boil the whole world down to questions of beauty and harmony, for example. I mean, look at Hollywood, or look at the liturgical churches. It's everything's boiled down to the issues of beauty, harmony, and so on. As if, as if at, at, the, at the final judgment we're going to be judged for this. Or, or Hollywood with its, with its uh, 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 attempts to lead us away from thinking ethically, judicially, by, by, its, uh, uh, by its pictures. Or it tries to boil down the world to issues of pragmatism and expedience. Our politics today is full of those. It's always some, some emergency solution to a problem that, that may not be even a real problem. And never politicians never stop to say, okay, is this good or is this evil? It's always, we give a pragmatic solution to it. Issues of human legislation and formalism. Ever heard someone justify the murder of innocent people by cops because there was some procedural, legal, formal reason for the cop to shoot at an innocent, unarmed, harmless person? The cop felt insecure and he has the right, you know, to shoot. And then an innocent person is murdered. Again, this is leading us away from the real judicial issue, ethical judicial issue, by legal formalism, another idol. Issues of loyalty to a group or collective. Whether it's a, an economic group, Marxism, yeah, it's us the poor against them the rich. Or a genetic group, racism, it's us the, the whites versus the blacks, or the blacks versus the whites. Or, or, or we're Americans and there's something else. A cultural group. Us Americans against everyone else. Or is it issues of sensationalist occult expectations? The chip of the number of the beast. And we just forget all that the law of God says and, and we just look for that chip and the beast. Etc., etc., etc. Everything, every spirit, every ideology that tries to lead your thinking away from the clear ethical judicial issues of the Bible, worship of God, God's institutional order, God's ethical rules, God's covenantal sanctions, the victory of the gospel in history, uh, is an idol which a spiritual, mature, covenantal man must reject and rebuke. It is on this ground we must view everything. Theologies, books, world events, policies, scientific and technological developments, court rulings, economic and business endeavors, relations, uh, and so on. To think covenantally in everything we do, not as idolaters, we must lay a covenantal, ethical, judicial foundation for our lives in all aspects of our lives. That means thinking only in terms of good and evil, and that good and evil defined by the biblical worldview and specifically by the law of God in the Bible. And by God's grace, we will do it. Now, as I uh, said at the very beginning in the introductory issue, in every issue we will recommend a book. Uh, we, I'm not saying that every issue will be a different book. Sometimes the books may be, may be uh, uh, I may duplicate sometimes the same book. But this time, the book that I recommend to you all to read 
in order to uh, start thinking covenantally about our society is Herbert Schlossberg's Idols for Destruction. Herbert Schlossberg, Idols for Destruction. An amazing book. If your pastor hasn't read it, you better force him to do it. If he refuses, find another pastor. But you read that book. The book will give you a very detailed breakdown of all these idols in the society today which lead us away from a covenantal culture in a covenantal service to God. Now, uh, Herbert, uh, Dr. Schlossberg's, Schlossberg talks about all these idols, idols of politics, idols of history, idols of, of, of mammon, uh, uh, idols of money in, uh, in government and so on. In such details, reading it, you'll be surprised how close some of them are still to your heart and to your personal experiences with men and institutions. And the only reason they are still in our society is because we as Christians have not learned to think covenantally about them. And not only think covenantally about them, but deal covenantally, ethically, judicially with these idols. Because we have not thought in terms of good and evil, we have thought in terms of all these other idolatrous uh, standards. And also, as you read that book, and as you... As, 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 you, as you go to Amazon.com or wherever you, you want to buy it from, think about my work in Eastern Europe. That's what I'm trying to do them, and that uh, there, and I, that's what I've been doing for the last 20 years, dealing with idols, and we've had a lot of success. So if you want to help me, visit BulgarianReformation.com and donate to my efforts to build the intellectual foundation for that future Christian civilization in Bulgaria in an ethical, judicial, covenantal way. And also, consider contributing to the War Room for Christian Reconstruction. Jason Sanchez and Bill Evans have done a great job of organizing this whole thing and bringing to you what uh, you're hearing right now. So, you guys go back to your homes and start conquering the world for Christ and learn to think covenantally. And God bless you. This was a Reconstructionist Radio War Room production. Acts to the Root with Bojidar Marinov. Please visit bojidarmarinov.com and reconstructionistradio.com forward slash Acts to the Root. <laughs>